Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. In today's show, we're interviewing Marco Santarelli investor, author, and founder of Norada Real Estate Investments, a nationwide provider of turnkey cash flow investment property. Now, we often talk about investing and what it takes to create financial freedom with cash flow from assets because you want to build wealth for yourself and take control of your financial destiny. But investing is just one step in a bigger journey of building time and money freedom. And that's why we here at The Money Advantage help you as a business owner to build time and money freedom using our three-step cash flow system to help you keep more of the money you make, protect that money, and then use it to make more by investing in cash flowing assets to build time and money freedom. So today we're going to talk with you about another opportunity. So who is Marco Santarelli? Well, Marco is the host of the Passive Real Estate Investing Podcast and the author of Norada Real Estate, a premier real estate investment firm. Marco's mission is to help people create financial freedom by taking the guesswork out of investing. His team is dedicated to researching top real estate growth markets and structuring complete turnkey real estate investments to minimize risk and maximize profitability. Marco began real estate investing at the age of 18 with a single townhouse that he bought, renovated, leased, and managed himself. He continued building his real estate portfolio over the years, up to 84 units, with additional single-family homes, duplexes, and small apartments. Marco is an expert in the ins and outs of real estate investing and has been helping investors create wealth and passive income for the past 15 years through Norada Real Estate. He is honored to have been named the 2017 Think Realty Master Investor of the Year. So let's dive in. Hi, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. I'm Rachel Marshall, along with my co-host, Bruce Weiner. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning, Rachel. Boy, I'm really excited about this show. And I, I know I'm excited about most shows, but you know, I think sometimes we have people that are in the major leagues on the show. I mean, we really try to give our audience the major league ball players. But when you, when you uh, get to our guest today, when he starts speaking, you're going to realize he's not only a major leaguer, but he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, this guy has a wealth of knowledge that he's going to be able to share with all of our guests on how to do turnkey investing, which uh, everybody knows we're really into. So I am really, really honored that Marco would come in on our podcast today. Absolutely. So without further ado, we have Marco on the show today, Marco Santarelli. Marco, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. What an introduction. I don't know if I can live up to that there, Bruce. Well, you might, you might, uh, you might not think you're going to be able to, but that's the humble humbleness that I really appreciate. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we're really excited to have you on the show today. And I know that you're doing a huge amount of work in the turnkey space. And so can you help us understand before real estate, before turnkey, before you were in business for yourself, who are you as a person, um, before all of that? Yeah. So I like to think of myself as an investor, an author, a father, a husband, um, someone who just likes to help other people and give back. Uh, you know, I, I didn't come up, I didn't grow up in a, in a wealthy family. And in fact, my, my mother had to work two jobs. My father worked, um, you know, a full-time job and I was raised essentially by my grandparents. And so I didn't come from a family of privilege, but I was, I guess, smart enough to look around in my early and mid teens to see who actually had wealth, who, who carried wealth. One thing I learned is that people who um, were wealthy or financially free almost always had real estate. And so, you know, at an early age, I discovered that that was the vehicle to create wealth and hold wealth in. And I just kind of pursued that path, but I didn't get into real estate um, all that quickly. I really believe that being an entrepreneur, and I didn't know this at the time, but being an entrepreneur was really the way to uh, create financial freedom for yourself. So I've been an entrepreneur my whole life, and I've stumbled and fallen many, many times, you know. The reality is, is most entrepreneurs fail more often than they succeed, but they just know how to swing for the fences and make something work. Um, so when you oh, fall, absolutely. Down, yeah, when you fall down, you just pick yourself up. It's just like a baby learning to walk. You know, you don't give up on the baby. You get up. You you know, you keep trying until you finally start walking. And so, um, anyway, so to answer your question, you know, who I am, you know, I'd, I like to consider myself a family person, but also an entrepreneur and a real estate investor at the same time. 
That's excellent. So how did you start then into entrepreneurship? And then what was your path or your bridge over into real estate? Well, don't laugh at this, but I actually, my very first job, if you, it's really not a business, but I, I got a newspaper route um, early in my teens. And I, I guess I was smart enough to figure it out at the time to hire my younger brother, who's two years younger than me, to go with me. <laughs> and That's I basically awesome. delegated the job to him. <laughs> so Nice. So there you go. Very nice. I didn't even know I, what I was, it was hilarious. I didn't know what I was doing. So you were outsourcing, you were using your unique ability, probably some persuasion skills in there, and uh, you had a team from the from the get-go. That's from, awesome. From the get-go, yeah. I didn't even know I was doing so, that. Um, so how did the real estate come about? Well, <clears throat> real estate came early in life. Um, to be honest with you, like I had mentioned that I, I was observing other people um, that had wealth, owned real estate. And so... I made the decision it probably when I was 17 to start investing in real estate. I couldn't until I was 18 because I couldn't qualify for financing. So I literally bought my first property when I turned 18 years old. I bought a, an end unit townhome. I fixed it up. I rent. Um, I rented it out. There was no internet back then. So it was basically a sign on the lawn. Um, you know, you print out a bunch of applications. Um, but I successfully bought, fixed, uh, rented and managed that that rental property when I was 18, and I held it for a number of years. That was my first start into real estate. Now, the big mistake I made, which I you know I want your audience to 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 learn from this mistake, the biggest mistake I made with that property is I sold it. I, I, after about two three years, I sold it. I had a great capital gain. I was able to take that money, but guess what? The mistake I made is I didn't reinvest it. I took that mm. and I I blew it somewhere. I'm not sure what I did with it. But the problem is, is, is people should, and I say this, you know, loosely in quotes, never, never, never sell your real estate. You can exchange it, you know, tax deferred exchange. You could leverage up and build your portfolio. You could move it from one market to another. There's a lot of things you could do with it. You could put it in your, 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 your policy or your trust, your will, uh, whatever you do with it. You always want to keep real estate, even if it's not in the same original place where you bought it, because if you do it the right way, you will essentially defer taxes forever. Mm -hmm. And um, you will continually build wealth and, and build your passive income and you'll have a portfolio that you can use for the rest of your life and then, you know, pass on to your kids and their kids. And basically it's generational wealth. So never sell your real estate. That's excellent that you say that. And it is not, not selling that, that particular property. I mean, your strategy is going to probably involve changing over into new properties, but that is powerful to focus on the tax benefit and then the generational strategy of that as well. So did you then take a break from real estate for a while if you didn't reinvest that? Well, I, I, I can, I continue to build a side business, um, whether with myself or with my best friend. The point is, is I was always entrepreneurial, regardless of whether I had a job, you know, a job or what some people call it just over broke. <laughs> yep. uh, and I continue to have the job. I always continue to try to build a, a bigger bigger passive income stream on the side through a business. But I didn't give up on real estate. In fact, I even took it to another level, which was, you know, um, something I didn't want to do at the time, but I got my real estate license. And so now I became, you know, a glorified chauffeur. I was driving people around, showing them homes, <laughs> um, you know, and I, and I got into the real estate game. Uh, but it was good because I, I gained an education from that. I was actually learning uh, sales skills because as a real estate agent, you're essentially a glorified salesperson. You know, no, no, uh, I, I don't want to insult any real estate agents, but really, you know, you spend all your time in that schooling and, and learn all the laws and, and the regulations. But at the end of the day, your education doesn't really start until you finish that, pass your exam. And now you're working in the real world. Um, and now you're, you know, you're a salesperson. Mm -hmm. And that's good because salespeople make the most money. A lot of salespeople make the most money. It's, you know, it's something to be proud of. You know, everybody's selling. And if you know how to sell well, you, you're going to do well in life. So, um, so that was my education in the sales space is, uh, you know, through real estate sales. But I did continue to, uh, you know, be a real estate investor. I, I had multiple businesses in between, you know, that period of time. And, and, and when I really took it to the big leagues in 2003, 2004, I had multiple businesses, including one that was venture capital funded. So, oh, wow. Excellent. Well, tell us about that. Tell us about <clears throat> what was that path into the big leagues? And then what did that begin to look like for you so, personally? You know, back in the mid 1990s, <laughs> so long ago, um, you know, the internet was the rage. Everybody wanted to figure out how do we get into, you know, the internet space. It was the new gold rush, and everybody wanted to have a piece of that pie. 
And, um, you know, there were many companies that started and failed, like Pets.com is a prime example, you know, kind of the poster child of Internet, you know, dot-com failures. So in 1998, my um, friend of mine who lives down here in, in Southern California and I decided to partner along with his partner. So those three of us that founded this business called E-Club Buy, essentially it was a Costco, if you will, for the club industry, the private club industry. So we wanted to sell everything from toilet paper to tractors okay. uh, for the club, obviously. So they liked the concept. It was a good business model, but it couldn't get traction okay, okay. just because the industry was very slow to adapt. The internet technology they didn't really like to order online because it was all about relationships. So long story short, that business didn't make it, but we did raise $9.5 million in venture capital funding, most of it out of the Bay Area. And uh, that came in tranches, but we built the company up to 105 employees. And so when you have a burn rate of about $100,000 per month, wow. um, you know you can't last long unless you have revenue. Um, but that's fine because venture capital Firms were throwing money at oh, losing yeah. businesses all along because all they wanted to do is go to a mezzanine round and then eventually to an IPO, take the company public, and cash out. So it was really a speculative gamble that was a capital gains play. It wasn't a cash flow play, unlike what I like to teach in real estate is to do, do exactly the opposite of that. Um, long story short, the NASDAQ crashed in, I think it was March of 2000 or 2001. And that was basically the end of the game. You know, all the venture capital funds basically pulled their money back. They were not funding anything else unless it was an absolute go uh, or it was cash flow positive. And so we had to wind the company down. It was an, it was an incredible experience. It was a wild ride. Um, I wouldn't do it again, but it was a lot of fun. I learned a lot of lessons, you know, to kind of build a business of that scale and raise that kind of money. Um, you know, that might be peanuts today, 9.5 million, but back then that was, you know, a good chunk of change. That was, that, that was your practical MBA that you, you got through that experience. It was, it was. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and, and those are, I think those are much more valuable than sitting in a classroom. Oh, that's You huge. know, it's, it's interesting you say that because I, I like to think of an MBA as a millionaire bank account as opposed <laughs> to an education. So I like, I like to say, I like to say that I do have an MBA, but here's the thing. Um, the, uh, you know, the experience you get from stuff like that is something that you definitely need to take and use and apply to your future endeavors, your future investments, your future that. ventures. You know, there's always lessons to be learned. If anytime you get involved in business or you do something or try something, and even if you fail, especially if you fail, there's more to be learned by your failures than your successes. Absolutely. And so, you know, one of the biggest lessons there was, you know, don't speculate. Like if, if you don't have a model that is sustainable, that can, that can pay that can fund the business, float the business, pay all the people involved, you're wasting your time. It's, it's, it's just a gamble. So was that a huge shift then for you into the passive income or the cash flow perspective that you really wanted cash flow? Was that your awakening? Well, <clears throat> what happened is I took off. Um, I was unfortunately in a position where after that um, winding down of that business, I chose to not go back into the corporate world because I spent year, years at that point, you know, being in, in, in the corporate space. I didn't want to go back into that. I didn't want to be, you know, um, punching a clock, as they say, you know, in the rat race. Uh, I wasn't in the rat race officially because I, I was um, independent enough that I, I was able to kind of sustain myself and, and my family. Um, but the thing is, I had to step back and reflect and, and I had to find my passion, my passion from an investment perspective was investing in real estate. The other passion that I didn't really know at the time, but it just kind of happened as I was going through the process is people were coming to me saying, hey, can you help me? And this really happened in late 2003 when I started investing in real estate in a big way. People were coming to me saying, hey, can you help? So I, to answer your question, Rachel, I took two years off just to reflect. And I did, you know, dabble in some, you know, small little ventures, just helping people call it a small business, but it really wasn't anything I wanted to build or scale. And I decided that, you know what, my love and my interest is investing, specifically real estate investing. So I continue to educate myself in all aspects of investing. And today, you know, since over the last 15 years, since 2004, I've essentially been passing that information on to other people, freely educating them, because I realized that the more you give, the more you get back. Um, it's kind of like Zig Ziglar saying, you know, if you help enough people get what they want, you'll have everything you ever want. Um, I might have butchered that saying, but, you know, it's, that's the gist of it. Nah, that's, that's exactly on the right track. And we know that giving is the best way to be able to receive and really giving that value. And you're giving tremendous value in that. So 
That's great. I mean, it's it's fascinating how people get to certain place places in their lives. And I'm fascinated about how you became, you know, I know you're modest about this, but we we actually have had a lot of people, turnkey people on the show, how you became kind of like the uh, the, the top echelon of people that are able to do this. So can you tell us a little bit about where the name came from and then how do you think you are set apart? I mean, I've seen your website. I've looked all through those things. But how you then develop so that you could set your apart, yourself apart from everybody else? So you've asked me three questions. Okay, let me take the name first. <laughs> okay. okay, so it's funny. I get asked the question of where did the name come from? Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I've ever been asked that on, a, on an interview like this. But uh, here's where it came from. I told you before, I've always been an entrepreneur. So I've always been trying to build a business. Way back in my late teens, uh, early 20s, my best friend and I started a business and we had an interview. Uh, actually, we had a meeting with a company called Norada Corp. And it was really just Norada Corporation. They're based out of Canada. And it was interesting. I asked them the exact same question because it's it always struck me as to what that name meant or why. I don't know why. Subconsciously, I wanted to ask the question, what does that mean? There was something about that name. Hmm. Well, they basically said this. This is a long story short. They said, well, we needed a name for our company. We had to come up with a name. We didn't know what to name it. So we brainstormed and we came up with a list of 100 names. We put them on a piece of paper and we submitted that list to a company that does essentially psychological evaluations on, on words, on names. And they wanted to know what was the most psychologically impactful name of, out of that 100 name list. Norada came out on the top. Huh. When he told me that, I was taken back. I thought, well, that's very cool. How many companies actually do that for themselves, you know, with a company name? Oh, sure. So I, I filed that in the back of my head. And so fast forward many, many, many years later, all the domain names that I wanted to, you know, for my company when I was starting my real estate business, they were taken. I couldn't find a name that I wanted. So I thought, well, I definitely want real estate in the name or, or real estate investment, something like that. And I thought, well, you know what? Norada is not taken norada real estate.com it's brandable it's something i can work with and i kind of like it so i, I registered the domain name and that's where the name came from that's well it's interesting it, it must have some kind of psychological uh draw because i've never asked that question of anybody else before but you know when i saw it i was i was very very interested in it and it does have just some i don't think mysterious is the right word for it but it just has something that draws you to it so yeah. So let's get to, I know I asked you a bunch of questions. So like the second one, how do you do turnkey differently and how did you build up this model that you have? So in 2003, um, I decided to get back into real estate. That was kind of the middle of the year. I got an email from someone who you might recognize. If you don't, no big deal. You could, you go search his name on Amazon. You can see he's written many, many, many books, including books with uh, Mark Victor Hansen and uh, um, Jack Canfield, if I'm not mistaken. But his name is Robert G. Allen. He's considered one of the godfathers of creative real estate, nothing down real estate. So I don't know how I got on his list, but in the middle of the year, I got an email saying, hey, we're doing this free three-day seminar or I don't know what it was, but this huge event in Orange, California, um, you know, register for free. Well, I had time on my hands. So I thought, okay, I love real estate. Might as well go. And it was in September. I went. It was huge. There was 1,500 to 2,000 people in this massive ballroom at, at a hotel by Anaheim, uh, by Disneyland in Anaheim. And um, the, the speaker's name was Glenn Purdy. I, I'll never forget him. He had me riveted to my seat. I mean, if I had to go to the bathroom, I wouldn't leave because he was so engaging with what he had to say that I didn't want to miss one single word. But it kind of rekindled the flame and just threw fire on it. And I realized, yeah, real estate is definitely what I want to be doing. So they were, of course, it was a three-day free boot camp or whatever it was. Of course, they're selling something at the back of the room. And it turned out to be these, these uh, boot camps that were around the country. And they started at $15,000, went up to $35,000. So, uh, you know, hundreds of people are running to the back of the room over the course of those two days signing up. So I whipped out my credit card. Of course, I bought into it. Um, and, you know, I decided to start going to these boot camps. The, what, what happened from that is I ended up meeting literally hundreds of real estate investors. They had one thing in common. They all had an interest in real estate, but they also couldn't figure out how to pull the trigger. And that was the genesis of the business because people were coming to me saying, Marco, how are you buying all these properties uh, so quickly? Can you give me a hand? Well, they were getting the education. They certainly had the desire but they weren't pulling the trigger. So they needed a mentor coach. And I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be, there was only one of me. I didn't want to be the mentor coach, but I was willing to help. So that's when, you know, the light bulb moment went off and I realized, okay, 
I'm buying real estate. In fact, in, in that nine month period from January, 2004, I had uh, accumulated 84 doors. So I bought 84 uh, units in a nine month period. Now, granted, you know, I, 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 I was a little bit ahead of everybody else at the time, but the key thing was that credit was relatively easy to get back then. You know, you know, we jokingly say you could a mirror and get financing. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's certainly yeah, thank you, thank you, Alan Greenspan. Yeah, thank you, Alan Greenspan. Yes, it, absolutely. So, you know, you inflate one bubble, and you go into the next bubble, and you go into the next bubble. But, um, but that certainly helped in the acquisitions, right? Uh -huh. um, but people are coming to me saying, "Hey, can you help me out?" And so that's how the business was born. Now, a comment to your question about you know the the, the name or the the word using that we use today, which is turnkey. That means different things to different people. So back then, they're really. The word was around and some people did use it, uh, but there was really only one company that I would even consider or remotely consider being a nationwide uh, seller of rental properties or turnkey properties. I won't mention their name. They ha I happen to know the owners. They live nearby where I live here. Um, they're, they're still around, but they're a shell of what they used to be. They're not, um, they're certainly not on the radar anymore, um, which is fine. You know, it is what it is, but, um, but I, I, I kind of saw what they were doing and I thought, okay, I'll just marry all these good things and create a new business. And that's really where this business model started. And so I started off in three markets and that ultimately grew to 22 markets, which it is today. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember marketing the crap out of the word turnkey. And so today, and everybody uses that, that word. Um, unfortunately, there's no industry definition of what turnkey really means. Uh, it means different things to different people. And for your audience, I will say two things. One, turn by our definition, turnkey real estate investments and even the experience of it is not the same thing as a rent-ready property. You can look on the MLS and you can find properties. A lot of them will be, you know, rented or rentable, and you can call them rent-ready. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it is turnkey by our definition, meaning that there may be deferred maintenance. There could be issues. It could be in, in the wrong neighborhood or a sketchy neighborhood. There could be all kinds of different things. It doesn't meet the checklist that we have to for us to call it a turnkey real estate investment. And then when you wrap that with a complete experience and end-to-end -end solution, that's what we refer to as a turnkey real estate invest. Uh, that's what we refer to as turnkey real estate investing. So it's not just the property, it's the experience. And that's what I wanted to, you know, create. I wanted to raise the bar, and that's what I worked hard to establish. But, you know, over the years, people continually butcher it, you know, knock it down. And the reality is, it's a great, great solution for people who are who are busy, um, especially for people who have, you know, above average incomes, and they just don't have the time or the experience or the knowledge to do it on their own. They need the team. They need the right team around them, and and that's a critical piece is having the right team. So, you know, we have essentially that entire team and that's the business model that we've created. So can you talk about, you mentioned the, the full experience. So are you guys going all the way from the acquisition through the rehab, through the sourcing, getting the tenant in and then property management as well? Is that a portion of your process? Is there more to it than that? Or can you talk about what that experience is that they're getting when they do turnkey through? Yeah, Rachel, that's a great question. It actually starts long before that. The, we we don't even start talking about properties in the beginning. You know, it, it, it's a, it's pointless. It really starts with you. It, it's all about you. The thing is, is everybody's at a different point in their life, in their investing career. They have different risk tolerances. What we want to do is we want to have ultimately a conversation with them to figure out, okay, where are you today? Where do you want to go? What is What are you trying to achieve financially here? What are you trying to build your passive income? Are you trying to create wealth? You're trying to do a combination of both. What at what speed do you want to build that? How quickly can you build that? Like, what are your resources in terms of capital and credit? So it really starts with that strategy session to identify where you are and where you want to go and turn it into essentially a, a roadmap and an action plan. At that point, I like that. Yeah, you have to do that because a lot of people. This is the problem with a lot of people uh, and real estate agents. And you know, again, this is not a knock. This is just a fact. If, if you're a local provider or a real estate agent, you're married to your market. You, you know your market, you understand it, but your inventory comes from that market. And that's the only thing I can help you with. Mm -hmm. But you need to step back and say, okay, this is who I am. These are my investment goals. This is what I'm trying to do in the space of real estate. Now the question becomes, okay, let's, let's, let's map it out and, and now let's start executing. And that starts with de determining what is the best market for me to achieve those goals. Because different markets do different things. Some are certainly more growth-oriented. They'll, they'll have greater appreciation potential, whereas other markets are 
sleepers. They're boring markets, and that's fine. Boring is good, but you know, you're going to get a good cap cap rate or cash cash on cash return. It's a cash flow market, but odds are you're not going to see a lot of appreciation in the foreseeable future in those types of markets. So we put all these markets on a spectrum and you as an investor fit somewhere in that spectrum. So, it's, so once we've you know had that conversation with you, then it's a question of, okay, where do we start building your portfolio? Or where do we continue building your portfolio? And we'll start with a particular market. Then you start identifying neighborhoods. Then you start looking at properties and wrapped around all of that, are your team members, such as your uh, mortgage lenders, your property managers, your home inspectors, your title companies, the attorneys, if that applies. Um, who else is in there? Insurance. Um, I'm missing something in that list. Uh, property management being one of the biggest ones, of course. Yeah. Oh, oh and, you know, who's, who's, who's the, who is, who or what is the company that's, you know, doing the acquisition or providing you that inventory? I forgot, obviously, one of the biggest pieces, and that's us. You know, so we have inventory in all these markets on an ongoing basis, probably 200 at any given time. So there's certainly lots to choose from. But one of my rules of my 10 rules of successful real estate investing is take a top-down approach. Start with the market, work down. The mistake a lot of investors do is they get presented a, a deal, quote-unquote. It's a property, and they look at it and they say, oh, well, okay, the photos look nice. It looks like it's nicely renovated. The the numbers are attractive. It seems to have a good cap rate. Mm-hmm. The cash-on-cash return is attractive. Hey, great. This is you know this is a good deal. But when they stop and step back, and I've done this. This is my own personal mistake. Mm-hmm. They realize that this great property that's newly renovated and has attractive numbers happens to be on a dilapidated street in a war zone neighborhood in the middle of, let's say, Detroit. And that was me, right? <laughs> oh, gotcha. I, I made that the mistake. So do you still want that property when you, you you have like three houses that are completely burnt to the ground surrounding you and you've got like mm. drug deals going on on the street? I literally had someone shot in front of one wow. of my properties, you know, way back when. So you got to take the neighborhood into consideration. Well, it sounds like you've seen the full spectrum. And I guess you're answering a lot of the questions that I wanted to ask you um, just in built into this model about how you guys work. Because I think I love that you start from where does the investor want to go? What is their objective? Because you have a million markets to choose from. And if they just had to close their eyes and pick one, well, then, you know, it, how do you start that process? So I wanted to then have you bridge over you guys have something that you um created that is a way to assess and analyze deals and i think it factors in several different markers and indicators and i believe that you created this um this indicator deal grader a, a scoring system and so can you talk about what are some of the things that maybe an investor would be looking for in terms of maybe it's cap rate or maybe it is um, the appreciation of the property or maybe it's a, a, a cash on cash return or it's maybe the total ROI. Can you talk about what are some of the um, the calculations and the metrics and the numbers that an investor might be interested in looking at that would then help them figure out where they want to invest? Okay. So that's a very good question. That That's an episode in itself. That, 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 that. Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> so um, maybe we'll have to do that. Yeah, no, literally. I mean, we could talk about the, you know, the math of real estate investing or investing in, in general, uh, and that would be a whole episode by itself. So let me give you kind of a 30,000 foot view of that. Um, so a That's lot of perfect. investors focus on cap rate, the capitalization rate, which is essentially, you know, the properties. I don't want to get too geeky on your audience here. You know, many of them will understand. No, this is okay. They're probably asking the question anyway. Okay. So a cap rate is is really what the rate of return would be is it as if you bought that property all cash, meaning no leverage. So it's essentially, you know, technically speaking, it's the net operating income of that property, which means the income minus all expenses, not debt service, just expenses, divided into your purchase price. That's going to give you your cap rate. And what often you'll find that ranges from 4% to 10%, maybe more. But, you know, the average today is 6 to 7, you know, if you're truly buying an investment property. That doesn't sound all that attractive for a lot of people, although 6% for a lot of people is considered, you know, average or normal. The reality is, is that it's very myopic. It's very one-dimensional. And I don't recommend using cap rate especially with residential property, like one to four unit. If you're talking about commercial property, you don't have a choice. It's everything's done by cap rate. But with residential property, one to four unit, that's not the case. And so it's myopic in the sense that it's Mm. one dimensional. The reality is you're better off looking at the next level and the next level, that being the cash on cash return, because odds are you're not going to invest in real estate and be an all cash buyer. You're going to put a down payment of, let's say 20, maybe 25%. 
and you're going to leverage the rest of it because banks are tripping over themselves to lend you money to invest in real estate. So why not take advantage of it, especially at these low rates today? So when you do that, you magnify your cap rate into what's called a cash on cash return. And that could be the same mm -hmm. as the cap rate, depending on the property, but often it's going to be a little more and it could be eight to 10, 10 to 12, 12 to 14%, depending on the numbers and the location. So now it's looking better. Well, let's take that even another step up. When you start to factor in all the benefits of real estate, such as the depreciation, the amortization of the loan, which is the, you know, the debt service, uh, the appreciation over time, uh, when you start to factor in all those things, on top of the fact that you can leverage five to one in real estate that you can't do with any other asset class, now your return, your total return on investment easily and quickly jumps into the 30% range, sometimes 40% range. And a lot of people find that hard to believe, but it's simple, simple math. And you just sit down and run the numbers, you will see that you can get 30 to 40% returns in real estate pretty consistently. So that's the beautiful yeah, thing yeah. about it. You have that nice, uh, there's a chart on your website that's kind of a rejection chart. You can actually see that on that chart. It's very, very nice. Yeah, I had that custom design. If you're talking about the cash flow analysis tool that looks like basically a spreadsheet, well, that was a spreadsheet. Yes. I literally created a very sophisticated uh, spreadsheet calculator uh, with multiple tabs, and I handed over that over to a website developer who, who coded that. Um, it, it's basically custom coding. I've had many people come to me and ask me to buy it, and I said no. <laughs> so. But it's a good tool and it allows you to actually modify the scenarios on every property. Like you can say, well, what if my rent is $50 lower, $50 higher? What if, you know, what if my property taxes go up? You can change all the variables and it updates in real time right on your screen in front of you because it, it runs on the client side, not on the server side. So it's a pretty cool tool. But look at the metrics. Those are the metrics to look at when it comes to real estate. Now, just real quick, just a comment because you asked about the deal grader score. Um, that's really just an algorithm that takes um, uh, several factors to in, into consideration. I, I really use it more of a lit, as a litmus test than anything else. So nobody should ever you know make a decision based on it, and nobody should really put a lot of weight okay. in it. But really, what it does is it just takes some some factors based on the market's growth, the neighborhood score, the quality of the neighborhood, and the financial performance of the property. So those are just variables. If you mash them together into a formula with different weighting, you come up with a score out of one to ten. That's all it is. I just wanted something for myself. And, you know, I just created this little metric and I put it on the website and, you know, it's still there to this day. That's great. So where does the cash flow analysis really fit into um, the conversation with an, invest, an investor? They're saying, okay, well, I want real estate. I want to, um, <clears throat> maybe they say, hey, I want to be able to have passive income of 200,000 per month or 200,000 per year at, at within this time frame. How do you then kind of work backwards or where does the conversation about the calculations to find the best deals so that you can figure out which properties and which markets to invest in? Where does that fit together? Well, there's different ways to slice and dice and peel that onion. Um, you know, 200,000 a year in passive income is 16,666 a month. Uh, you know, if you want to say, okay, how do I achieve that today? This is not how it would unfold, of course. But let's just say you can, you had the capital to do it and you snapped your fingers and you made it happen today instead of having a snowball effect as you go. Uh, if you're fully leveraging your acquisitions and let's just say you're putting, you know, uh, on average 25% down because it can range from 20 to 30. Um, let's just say you're getting, we'll be very conservative here. We're going to do use net, net, net numbers, meaning we're factoring out vacancy a vacancy factor, we're factoring out maintenance and repairs. We're basically um, saying, look, this is the worst case scenario on a property. Um, so we've budgeted everything in. Let's just say it's quote unquote only 300 a month per door. So if you divide that 16,666, you know, by 300, you're looking at 50, 50, 55 doors. That's, that's assuming you want it to be there today. Now, if those properties in time, whether they are in time, are, are free and clear, you know, it's a different equation because your cash flow wouldn't be 300 a month. It would be on a hundred thousand dollar property, I use this as the example of time. Hundred thousand dollar property is going to be renting for about a thousand a month, one percent. So, so if you don't have debt service, you're instead of three hundred a month, you're getting probably around seven hundred a month. Could be seven fifty. Just depends on the location because many locations that we're in have very low property taxes. So, it's just insurance and property taxes, and you know eight to ten percent for management. But you're probably closer to seven hundred, seven hundred fifty a month. So that sixteen thousand six sixty six, you know, divided by let's say seven hundred is only uh, twenty four doors, twenty four units. That's assuming you buy them all cash today, 
or you just accelerate the payments and pay them off over the next 5, 10, 15 years, whatever it may be, to get to that 200000 a year. So it's it's within reach for everyone. Um, but you know, now this starts to get into some more advanced strategies where you know you start to build a portfolio in one market, three to five properties in, let's say, Indianapolis and or, or in Jacksonville, Florida, or it might be in Atlanta, Georgia, or Dallas. And as you as the years go by, over the next two, three, five years, you start to build equity. Now, what you could do, you don't have to sell them, but what some people do is they actually move their equity to other markets. So they sell their property to a tax deferred exchange and take that additional equity and leverage it up into more property, a larger portfolio. The equity is still there. You haven't lost it. You've just, you've just magnified it. Now you have more properties under your belt, generating more passive income. And this is how you start to accelerate the, the growth of your portfolio and the growth of your passive income. So that's a lot that I'm kind of cramming in there, but but essentially that's how you you could do it. No, it's very it was very clear. Thank you, Marco. I mean, I think this is. Uh, I hope our audience understands that uh, it is it is absolutely a proof that you are professional and well versed in what you're doing. That you could pull those numbers right off your head, and I was actually checking your numbers uh, <laughs> along the way um, for my own interest, only just from something that. Rachel threw out there that shows that you're you're a true master in your craft and the reason you are is another thing we talk Rachel and I always talk about is about staying in your lane you know so that you become the expert in your lane and you're obviously the the expert in that particular lane so um, you talked a l- earlier a little bit about um, you know Detroit uh, you you made that mistake in Detroit so what kind of property um, classifications do you focus on c c plus b b plus you know what are what are mostly are you guys obtaining well uh, um if from a company perspective okay let's first of all describe the spectrum um again no formal industry right. definition you know that's the problem there's not a lot of you know industry definitions right. with this stuff um but essentially you know we're, we're going to talk about a's b's c's d's and then you know beyond that you're falling over the edge of the you know the cliff um you know call that an f complete failure um I relate D-class properties to basically the sketchiest of sketchiest neighborhoods. You know, uh, you can even call them war zones. <laughs> um, A's are definitely your premium neighborhoods, your, your upper end, predominantly owner-occupied um, residential areas where, you know, there may be some rentals, but you would never know the difference between a homeowner-occupied home and, 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 and you know, a, a rental. Um, you know, and, and often these neighborhoods are going to have better quality uh, amenities. Like you're going to have you know, nice strip malls. Um, you won't see a lot of dollar stores, let's put it that way, you know, or, or laundromats. Um, when you get into the bees, this is kind of the bread and butter neighborhood. This is your middle, middle America, middle class, middle income, just, you know, right smack in the middle of that bell curve. These are your B class neighborhoods. Your C's are going to be demographically speaking more on your lower income, um, range. And then these, we, I don't even talk about D, right? So, as far as the inventory we carry, the bulk of it is going to be uh, B, B plus, A minus. And the reason for that is this. It, it's it's really not only the biggest bang for the buck, but the A class areas for the most part don't work financially. You're just not going to get the returns. You may have strong appreciation potential, but we don't speculate. We don't invest based on appreciation. I mean, we want it. We'd like to have it. We'll get it over time, but, but that's not the lead. So we want to be in areas that are solid stable, have cash flow, good rate of return, and have appreciation potential. And you're going to find that spread across B, B plus, A minus type neighborhoods. We do have C plus and B minus. Um, those are very attractive on paper. We do have investors that want that, but these are investors that are a little more seasoned. They already have a portfolio. They have a little bit thicker skin. They're not managing their own properties, but they they understand what they're getting into. And they know that the tenants might be a little bit more problematic from time to time. They might be a little more transient. They might be laid on rents more often than someone who's living in an A minus type neighborhood. It's just a different person. It's a different customer. And so when you understand your demographics, again, this is why we start with you as an investor. You know, what are you trying to achieve? What can you, what, what's your risk tolerance? What do you want to build? Um, when we understand you, then it's easier for us to make those recommendations. So anyway, that's the spread from A through D. Great. great I don't know if that was your question. Oh, that was a great explanation. Yeah, that was. Great and then are you typically working with new, distressed property, renovating properties? What is What does that look like for you guys in most markets? Yeah, so everything we sell is what we call you know a turnkey real estate investments, what we talked about before. So you're essentially walking into cash flow. When you close escrow, you're the sole owner of that property. You have 100% title, 100% of all the benefits. 
even though you might have only put 20% down and borrowed the other 80%, you could have 100% of everything. And so um, you essentially just add that property to your portfolio. It's under management by professional local full service management. Um, you know, that real, all real estate is local. All property management is local. That's just the way it works. And so you're just adding to your portfolio. Um, but, you know, these turnkey rentals are just exactly that. They're turnkey. You know, you don't need to be swinging a hammer or hiring a contractor to do any kind of work. We we don't want you doing that. You know, we if you're a, a busy professional or, you know, you, you've, you've got a full-time business, you've got family, you know, you're, you've got life going on. You don't want to be creating a new career for yourself and trying to educate yourself on real estate investing and try to, uh, uh, you know, assemble a team, find the people, vetting those people and trying to make, you know, make it happen the right way, right from the beginning. Um, we've already done all that. So, you know, why not take advantage of someone else's service that's already there for you? And when 80% of it's done for you and you just have to worry about the other 20%, which we're going to hold your hand to do anyway. And there's no cost. There's, it's, it's, it's a value-add service. So we get compensated on the back end, not the front end. So it's free. Why wouldn't you take advantage of that? Mm-hmm. So. Mm, that's excellent. That's excellent. And I can, I can really see your passion for helping other people um, just through what you're sharing today. It's not just here's what Narada is doing, but you're helping people to understand the decisions that they're making. And so it seems like that education has been really important to you. And it's really important for you to share and give to others. Talk about that piece for you and why that's meaningful. I know you have a book, you have a podcast, um, you're, you guys are blogging on a regular basis and you're providing that free education. Um, just can you comment on why that's so important to you? Well, um, you know, I, I guess I could answer that in many different ways. I think, first of all, I enjoy it. You know, I, I, I love answering questions. People ask questions. And, you know, in fact, I, I have a segment on, on my podcast called Ask Marco. In fact, I'm spinning it off uh, as a separate episode, uh, but people email me every week saying, hey, you know, here's my situation. And, you know, they present their situation and rather than answer it via email, which is one to one, I'd rather say, OK, you know, other people have this question. So why not just answer it one to many? And, you know, I, I, I take that and I just turn it into, um, you know, an Ask Marco segment. Um, so I enjoy answering the questions. Right. Uh, but the other thing too, is, you know, leaving a legacy, right. You, you know, when, when you're gone, <laughs> someone's going to ask, well, okay, w- you know, what was your life about? What did you do? How did you help? What did you contribute? So if this is a way for me to look back or my kids, you know, or my, 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 my future generations to look back and say, Oh, you know, what was, who was Marco? What was he all about? What did he do? Well, these are, this, this is going to be one of those things that, you know, he left behind the, you know, the videos, the audios will always be there. They live there in the cloud. So, you know, at least people can look back and say, okay, yeah, you know, you know, he really gave out a lot of stuff. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I would love to be able to provide the link to your book, not only in the show notes, but on our website as well, if people are interested in reaching out to That's you wonderful. with Narada. Thank you. Um, what would you say is the number one greatest lesson that you've learned through your life, your business, your real estate investing, running Narada? What would you say is the greatest lesson that you've learned? <clears throat> There's so many ways to answer that question, but if I had to just pick one, yeah. The greatest lesson is is my first rule of my 10 rules of successful real estate investing and that is simply this educate yourself today in the you know the environment we have in the current school system you know the public school system which i you know lovingly refer to as public indoctrination camp uh-huh. <laughs> um, you know it's we just don't get financial education you know we get a lot of academic education then we go off to you know university or college and we get many of us get a professional education you know we become doctors lawyers whatever the case is but but where along that line do we have financial education we don't so the best thing you can do for yourself is to educate yourself especially in the areas uh that are going to have the greatest impact on your life it could be personal development of course um it could be sales could be marketing but but financial education is huge so if you can educate yourself on investing asset classes how to you know generate passive income how to create wealth how to do all these different things guess what you're going to be very knowledgeable. You're going to know how to talk to CPAs and attorneys and real estate agents and and turnkey, you know, real estate companies and 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 have a, a dialogue with yourself and just know how to differentiate between a good deal and a great deal. And it'll help you prevent it'll it'll help prevent making mistakes. Um, it'll just do so much for you. So, really, just educating yourself is so critically important today. And it's free. A lot of it's free. I mean, you know, listening to your podcast. 
And yours as well. You know, So I'm going to definitely make sure that we have that link in the show notes because I know that you're providing this education on a regular basis. And I appreciate that you're doing that for leaving a legacy and for just being able to share and contribute that wisdom so that other people can prosper and grow in their lives and build true financial independence as well. So thank you. I wanted to um, then ask you if someone wanted to reach out to you at Norada, what would that experience look like for them? I know you kind of talked about the process of, you mentioned a strategy session and finding out what's important to them, but how would they reach out? What would the process look like? And how would, how would they move from interest to becoming an investor with Norada? The majority of people fill out the form on our website. Like most people don't pick up the phone anymore today. <laughs> uh, there's still people mm-hmm. who do, you know, pick up the phone and make a phone call. Um, but the, I'd say 95% of people just simply just fill out the form on our website and say, Hey, I'd like to learn more. I mean, it's that simple. You know, tell me more about what you do, or I'd like to set up a time with one of your investment counselors to, to learn about what it is you guys do and how you could potentially help me. I mean, really just starts off with a, just a super low key, um, just, you know, ca- casual conversation. And so that's really the start, you know, because from there we can answer questions and, and just tell you more about what you don't know. And um, if there's a fit, great. You know, we'll both know that. If, there's, if it's not a fit, well, that's fine too. And, you know, interestingly enough, we, we, we have clients that start off building their portfolios with us. There's, there's one client in San Diego who's in his 30s, mid-30s. Him and his wife started building their portfolio with us. They, I can't remember how many properties they bought from us. It was a pretty good footprint, but they loved the experience so much that they chose not to continue with us. <laughs> what they ended up doing is they said, look, I love this so much that I'm going to turn this into my, my career. Nice. And so what he started doing is he just said, look, I'm just going to create my own quote unquote turnkey inventory. So he went out and he turned it into his business. He basically started acquiring properties, fixing them up. Now that's the active, not passive method of investing, which, you know, is not for most people, but he just said, look, you know, I love what, what I learned from you so much. I mean, this is the point I'm making. I love what, what I've experienced and what I've learned from you guys so much that I just want to keep doing this on my own now. And so now he's just buying his own properties, fixing them up and building his portfolio. And he's got the last I talked to him, I had him on my podcast. The last time I talked to him, he had, um, I think it was 35 properties, him and his wife. And they're nice. clearing over 10,000 a month in passive income. And, you know, they're not even 40 years old yet. So, you know. You know that, that that's got to feel good to you that you were able to mentor and help somebody accomplish that as well. So that's that's fascinating. Absolutely. I mean, well, this goes back to your question of you know um, I forgot your question, but the whole thing of legacy. How many people did you help mm-hmm. set free? You know, where they're no longer you know in a cubicle or, or having to punch a clock or run the nine to five, right? You you, you basically help people become financially independent. That's absolutely awesome. So. Um, for people who do want to then reach out to you with Narada, fill out the form on the website. I can also highly recommend your guide. And I need to uh, pull that name here. The ultimate guide to passive real estate investing. Yes. Yes. So we'll have the link to that on the website as well. That had a lot of information about how to analyze properties and really what to look at and figure out which markets you want to be in. And then you also had that great blog as well, the 10 rules of successful real estate investing that you referred to twice during the show as well. We'll make sure that we have the link to that in the show notes. Yeah. And I think, I think it would be good for your audience to know in regards to what you guys do and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but when, you know, when, when people have a policy set up, you know, like what you guys do with people, you can borrow from that policy, correct me if I'm wrong, but you can turn that. Yes, you absolutely can. So you can turn that, that the, your own funds, your own bank into your own down payment. Yes. And if, you know, for some people who think, well, I don't have the, the capital for it yet, you actually might because it could be sitting in your policy that you borrow from. And all of a sudden now you've, you know, you've, you've got that first or that next property and, and it really is sitting there right in front of you and you just don't even realize. So you should probably talk about that on, on this or one of your future episodes. Yeah. One of the things that I, it's not only about if you already have it, but if you're, if you're sitting on capital, it's about getting it into a policy first to get uninterrupted compound growth in the policy and then borrowing against the capital to actually do your down payment. So then you get, it's an and asset then. So you're getting, you're getting the uninterrupted compound growth and then you're getting that wonderful uh, and asset, which we believe is rental property, turnkey rental property that you, that you uh, pr- provide for people. So yes, that's, a, that's something that we hit on almost every show. And uh, a lot of people are taking advantage of it across the nation. There's an awakening. Uh, we have people calling us from Brazil, from 
um, from the UK, from, uh, heck, we even had one from Iran. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, we, we can't hilarious. do business with co uh, countries that don't, we don't have treaties with. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> We've had Australia. But, yeah. No, it's, it, it, is, it, it is a new awakening for people because people are realizing that although banking is a necessity with, with traditional banks, if you can become your own banker, then there's actually a lot of advantages to that. And it takes discipline. I mean, it's not, it's just like real estate investing. It's not a magic bullet formula speculating. Uh, but, but if you do it, the, the amount of exponential growth on the, on the back end is just phenomenal. So thank you for mentioning that. Um, this has been a, Marco, we cannot uh, thank you enough. And I hope Rachel and I uh, can have a long uh, relationship with you. And I hope we can provide, you know, a lot of things for you and, and, uh, Heck, I just think you're a great guy. So thanks for being on the podcast. Well, you guys are great too. I appreciate you saying that. And I love your analogy, the and analogy. I never heard anyone put it that way, but you're right. You can have the policy. You can have you know, the, the, the money in the banks, the savings, but you can also borrow against it. So you still have the benefits and be able to pull it out. So yes. that's a great way to look at it. I love that. Yes, that's awesome. That's and, and thanks for pointing that out as well. And then you're able to take the cash flow from the property and pay back the policy. And pay so it's- loans and accelerate again, yeah. Yeah, so you have velocity of money. You're able to do this over and over and get your money working for you multiple times. Love so it. thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for sharing just your wealth of experience and wisdom. And it's just very obvious that your passion for helping people really accomplish their financial goals is very apparent. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for your time. We truly appreciate it, Marco. Rachel, Bruce, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a lot of fun. Have a great day, Marco. Thank you. You too. In closing, remember, success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. Do you have an established business and make great income, but feel like you can never get ahead or just plain have financial confusion? Get the business owner's three-step roadmap to achieve time and financial freedom without working harder or sacrificing your lifestyle. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash roadmap to get your roadmap and free training. And when you register, you'll also get access to our ultimate money finder cheat sheet that you can use to recover lost cash flow and save on taxes. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and registered investment advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.